0: In the spirit of reconciliation, Siren Sport acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Siren Sport Podcast. This week we have two very special guests joining me. Um your co-host, Casey Simons, and I've got my co-host Gemma Bastiani with me, my fellow co-founder at Siren. How are you, Gemma? Uh,
0: look, to be honest, not so great. I do have COVID, but we're gonna power <laughs> through.
1: Look, I tried to start up with a lot of energy and enthusiasm to sort of cover that I also have a bit of a cold and you might pick <laughs> that up in my voice. So energy early and we might go downhill a little bit. So apologies listeners, but we're just trying to get through and also bring some joy into our days because we're not feeling the best. And when we're not feeling the best we like to talk to each other and chat because we're our own all favorite people well maybe you're just my favorite people I won't be offended Gemma if you're if I'm not yours but that's okay <laughs> but I'll introduce our other guest that we have um with us today which we're super excited about because it's someone who's come into the siren orbit fairly recently who we love her work it's of course Marty Vanel. hi Marty how are hi. you Thank you so much. I feel really
2: bad because we were supposed to record this last week, but I had laryngitis, so we had to push it. And now both of
1: you are sick. <laughs> like we're all struggling. It's struggle town. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I said, I mean... I was looking forward to this, like also last week, but of course I think more today because I've just been feeling not the best this week. And I just want my people around me to have a chat and feel good and do it in a safe way where we are protected. We're not in the same room, we are doing this via Zoom. So we're very socially distanced and looking after ourselves. But as I said, dear listeners, Please forgive us if we do need to have a little bit of a cough or um, I trail off and maybe lose my train of thought because I'm not as on my game as I usually am. But I think uh, that's what our audience has come to love about us from SIREN is that we're just fairly open and honest about yes. where we're at and what we're doing. Um, but Marty I wanted to introduce you just a little bit more because I think what you've been able to do these past few years in your career is amazing. You've been writing for ESPN, you've written for us at SIREN, which is really cool. You've been doing your own podcast, you've been covering so many different sports but also lots of cultural stuff so stuff for broadsheet as well like you've got such a diverse writing style and I just think everything you've done is awesome I love reading your work and I'm so excited that not only have you been sort of able to come part of the siren community and and write for us and we've got to know you but just so excited to learn more about your story too so thanks so much for joining us today Oh, that's so
2: sweet. I love hearing that. That's so, so kind of you. I feel so honoured to be part of this, I guess, this orbit of women especially. I think that I started most of my friendships with most of the Siren um, Collective just via Twitter. I mean, I know my first touch point with you was a Twitter DM. Gem's a bit different (laughs) because we did making the call together, but it's just, it's always felt like such a welcome, like welcoming and inclusive community. So just to like be, you know feel a part of that is so special to me honestly
0: that being said though we've been saying your name wrong this whole time haven't we so yes. we should be clear that up real quick how do you pronounce your last name money
2: it's vinyl which would be perfect oh. if I was musically talented because then me and my sister <laughs> we could start and we would be like the vinyl sisters which is perfect but unfortunately so um we're both kind of tone deaf although she's good on the piano but
1: yeah <laughs> Well, that's a good note and that's a good, like, device to remember as yeah. well.
0: So I apologise for all the times I've said it wrong on things. Apologies, yes. Marnie.
1: That's yes, fine. my apologies too because I've introduced no. you that way as well.
2: It's fine. The, the best that I've ever got was vinali It was like Marnie Vanali. I was like,
1: I kind of oh want to adopt that. I love that like like Milli Vanilli <laughs> yeah yeah my god that's probably our old reference that some listeners probably don't understand and dates me quite a bit so <laughs> I'll just uh, be quiet on that now um but I'll just go into a little bit more about what we want to talk about too just based on that and that Twitter community you mentioned Marty. because I guess this um chat has sort of come about from like you just reaching out to us we spoke um earlier in the piece uh this year with our Siren podcast because. I guess our podcast, Gem, and you can jump in and give your thoughts here too. I think when we wanted to do the Siren podcast, it's not so much like we're covering um, issues or sports or doing anything really specific. We just wanted to have a platform that when things popped up, we could talk about it. We wanted to talk really openly about how we work at Siren and how we all work individually in the industry and be really transparent about that. And just have a space that we can bring people in and talk to our friends, talk about what's on our minds and not have too much of a structure to it. So we had a bit of a chat at the start of the year that we should just put this call out and like whoever wants to come on our platform, who's in the space, who might want some media experience and want to talk about something specifically, we want to just open up the door and Marnie was one of the first people who reached out and like, hey, let's just talk about what's going on in the space around AFLW reporting this year because it seems to be getting more of like a community around it everyone's connecting more and more the power of social media to bring us all together has been really great and we wanted to have a chat about that but Gemma like how have you sort of seen the Siren podcast come about that way like is that how you see our Siren Sport podcast platform sort of developed this year?
2: I just want to jump in and say, before I sent that pitch, I actually sent a voice memo to Gemma from uh, the bathroom at Channel 7 when I was working on the Olympics. Being like, I have this idea, should I pitch it? I'm just going to pitch it anyway. And they just like emailed you straight away. I love in it. That's it. so to jump in good. That, it's okay.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, I think the whole thing has been about um, breaking down those barriers that are either real or perceived. Um, for people that do want to enter the industry, particularly women, non-binary folk, people of colour who typically aren't accepted in those communities or haven't been in the past. And I think that's been the biggest thing because for us getting into the industry, we've been able to do that because of other women, other um, diverse people, folk who um, have been willing to help open the door or show us the way. You know, I credit... Emma and Lucy Race with making the call. I credit um, you and and Kirby and um, the rest of Siren, but also, you know, Kelly Underwood and people like that who have really um, helped guide me into those positions and try to put me in places that uh, they think I should be or that they know that I want to be in. Um, And then it's all about us then paying that on to the next group of people or the other people that want to come in who are genuinely good at what they want to do I think that's a really big thing is that you don't do it for everyone because there's only so many jobs let's be honest but the people that are really good at it people like Marnie who deserve to be there but just need someone to help open that door for them um just like that that famous Outer Sanctum episode called open the door which then led to making the call which is how Marnie and I met um I think that's a really important thing. And we've always been about that. We have our emerging sports writer program. We have our internships and things where it's about helping the next group of people come through. And um, I hope that the podcast is that I hope that we're embodying that when we go out to work at games or at broadcasters or that sort of stuff. I think that's really important
1: yeah absolutely so anyone who's listening who feels like you're in that position and you've got a story to tell or you want to reach out to siren and see if you have any ideas that you want to share with us please get us up. we'll give you the details at the end of the pod but in saying that like man we really want to like hand the mic over to you this podcast and learn more about you and your work and As I mentioned, I'm already such a fan of it, but I want to hear some more about your experiences and how you found the space and and particularly what you've experienced this AFLW season. But I just want to learn to start with, how did you come to be where you are today and what's your sports writing story? How did you get started? I'm not
2: sure how far to go back. I'll go back to uni, I guess, which is where I actually did um, a... Marketing degree and a media comms degree, and then I went into a copywriting job at a marketing firm just straight away. And even at uni, I was writing for it was uni junkie at the time, which is um, doesn't exist anymore, which is actually really sad because it's such a good pathway for a lot of new journalists or writers to you know get a byline. So that's really disappointing that uni junkie isn't there anymore. But I started with that, and then just like kept writing, and then I was doing this copywriting job and writing like getting up at 6am to write and then writing, you know, after I had dinner and like on the weekends and it was for places like Concrete Playground or for that point I moved up into Junkie. And then I remember I got a piece published um, in the ABC and it was called the hidden ingredient to success that we don't talk enough about Is privilege. Um, And I was like, I, I, I just felt it was so rewarding just writing that piece and having people actually read it. And I had people read it that I'd never had conversations with like people that were in my orbit that I'd never had conversations with about this before and especially because I worked at a marketing firm where it was very like Tony Robbins style where it's like you just need to have an ice bath in the morning and that's all you need Where it's like well you actually need like to be white and a male and have like an Anglo name like all of these things are actually what's contributing more to your success than these you know dressing a certain way or like keeping a morning journal and I wrote that piece um, and I just it just lit something in me that was like, I just want to keep writing. I just want to keep writing. Um, and so I decided to quit my copywriting job and just like build my portfolio for a bit, but then COVID happened. And so I ended up building my portfolio for the last two years and that has just become my full-time job, which I'm very grateful for. And I'm very appreciative that that's happened, especially because these past two years have been like quite difficult for a lot of, a lot of people. And I'm just very aware of like my own Position within that. When it comes to sports, I've always been a sport fan. So I grew up in New South Wales, so I grew up in NRL territory. So I grew up a little rabido I can still remember getting my little like bunny packs every year. It was like the highlight of my year. Um, used to, I lived in Bathurst, but Dad used to take my sister and I, and occasionally Mum, but she's a Dragons supporter, down to Sydney. So it was a six-hour round trip every single week to see the rabidos play, and that was just what we did. It was always like such a big part of my life. Um, moved to Uh, Victoria and be very heavily invested in AFL I think if anyone knows me they know I'm an Essendon supporter I I feel like that's more visible than my actual tattoos at this point I just wear it very loudly
1: and I'm very vocal about it yes I'm gonna overlook that quality of you Marnie (laughs) (laughs) fair enough fair enough
2: (laughs) um and and other sports as well you know like I remember waking up as a kid and like getting up at 3 a.m to watch the world cup with dad and I'm obsessed with the Matildas and there's lots of sports that I'm very interested in. And so it's always been like a huge passion of mine, but never something that I thought I would belong in or that I, it was an avenue that I could even go down. And I'm, I'm pretty self-aware and I'm a pretty, and I say sensitive as a positive thing. I'm a very emotional person. I'm quite sensitive and I just never thought I would have thick enough skin to be in sports media. That's just kind of how I saw it. Um, And then I did making the call which is the program that I mean Emma and Lucy have been on the Siren podcast and I think listeners probably would have heard of it but it is a a sports broadcasting program to just get more women into sports media and I I still remember applying I I was like in my bed when I saw like on Twitter like this program and I was like oh why not and then I spent you know, like four hours doing my answers on a word doc and had about like 4,000 words for every question. It's <laughs> was like, probably need to whittle this down a little bit. Um But yeah, making the call really just changed my life. It's not a hyperbole at all or an exaggeration. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, doing this program, it gave me contacts and a cohort of women. Uh, but the biggest thing it probably gave me was the belief that I do belong in this space um and it is just as much for me as it is for anybody else um the day dot of the program we were all just introducing ourselves and why we wanted to be there and because if there was a focus on commentating and calling I mentioned that I've got quite a high pitched young sounding voice and I wanted to learn how to train that to sound more professional and then by the end of the course I had that conversation with Lucy and Emma and they were like well you're just not used to hearing your voice because it there aren't any. And so you need to fill that hole so that other people that sound like you also feel like they belong. And so I, you know, I've, there are times where I'm still a bit anxious about how young I sound. I, I was on um, ABC breakfast the other day and Sammy J was just like, how old are you? And like, I'm, I'm quite used to that when people hear me because I sound, I don't know, I get asked like if I'm in uni a lot still. And I think I've got that, um, you know, quite useful sounding voice. I feel like I've trailed off a little bit but um no (laughs) no I'm
1: like it's all really great to hear Marty because I think like we don't talk about a lot of those sort of you know the roads taken often enough but I'm also just like nodding my head furiously at you because I feel like I have a lot of complexes about the way my voice sounds as well um and I always I always try and like be self-deprecating and say things like oh yeah I know I have a voice of like a 12 year old and I'm just used to that now and I play it down and yeah yeah, and I do I do go into different voices particularly like in academic settings like when I Mm. present at conferences and things I try to sound yeah very like even toned and really like even measured and I try and put like I know my like teacher hat voice on or something but yeah it's so right what Lucy and Emma said just it's because, yeah, all my teachers when I was coming up were all men and all the mm. sports um, media that I consumed, particularly audio contents, mostly men, and like, I'm not used to hearing my own voice back to me at all so like I know that is such an issue but I'm such a complex about it all the time even now like I'm talking about the cold that I have and I can hear that my voice is different again like that is freaking me out because I've like trained myself to accept my own voice and now that it's a little bit different I'm like oh my god I'm going through this all again and all these things that we navigate gosh it's exhausting (laughs) it's so it's so exhausting
2: yeah and I keep coming back to and if I don't come back to this a friend or a peer will make me come back to this, which is like, well, who am I writing or making content for? And it's not for people that are going to be annoyed by my voice anyway. So. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. So Jem, you, do you want to talk to us about the first time that you met Marnie in making the call? Well,
0: yeah, like we, we've done two making the call programs together. The very first one, which was November of 2020, um, where we did everything online. So we kind of met but we didn't talk heaps I think Um, we kind of followed each other on Twitter and observed what each other was doing from there but probably midway through last year we started talking more regularly I think I can't remember what made maybe hitting you up to write something for Siren or something that maybe made me um, kind of interact with you a little bit more it wasn't it wasn't any reason other than we were both super busy and like supporting each other's work but not chatting on a regular basis but then after that we kind of clicked and then once we got to go into making the call again at the end of last year where we could physically go um you know I refused to let Marnie sit next to anyone but me um we did all of our partner work together and I really enjoyed it I don't know how Marnie feels about it she didn't really have a choice but oh, I hated um- it it was a <laughs> no,
2: really bad time yeah that <laughs> no, was obviously the best
0: um but yeah, from there, we've just been good friends and um, I, obviously AFLW season helped because we were at a lot of games together and and that sort of stuff. So I think that is where it came from. Um, and then, yeah, just messaging each other to like get reassurance on things or know, you know, is there a contact for this person or stuff like that probably um, kept our communication up as well as well, but Marnie always came across to me as this really impressive person who, because, because she's across so many other things. So, and I think I said this to you, Casey, the other day was, um, I'm very like singular focused and AFLW is my thing and the analysis stuff is my thing. So when people talk about other stuff, I'm, I'm really quite impressed because it's like, oh, I could never do that. Whereas money and, and yourself go out and do all these different things like cultural, social, um, all this other sort of writing and, and research and jobs like researching for the Olympics. That seems so um, overwhelming to me, but you guys just nail it and do it and it's like it's nothing and it's super impressive so I think that was another thing I'm like I'm gonna hitch my wagon to this person because they're going places kind of thing
2: it's so like almost surreal hearing that because I was very much just like Gemma's too cool for me and she's too smart for me and I was like intimidated and like now that we're mates I just like oh <laughs> you know <laughs> <We're
1: foul. laughs>
2: but like I feel so honored to like hitch myself to your wagon every time like you tweet anything I'm just like I just want everyone to know that we're friends <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that <laughs> I think that yeah. touches on what you mentioned before Marty which I would love to talk more about um because I think like it's something we're definitely really conscious of at siren that we want to facilitate but i know emma and lucy race have done an amazing job at this through the program um making the call because like like you said like the experience and the know-how for the industry is really important but that amazing byproduct of cohort and community i think is just equally as important in this space and it's something that emma and lucy being able to harness even beyond that in um you know the wider outer sanctum team too it's just build community that people can feel seen and know who to reach out to and build friendships and when you can transition that into a bit of a professional capacity too is something that I mean for myself who's been in this space like tangentially for a few years, like I haven't really seen that a lot until recently, like that's the last few years with people like you know the outer of team and more and more independent media um, platforms coming about and the growth of social media and us all just turning our backs on the ugly sides of those mm. platforms and finding our communities there and be able to build and capitalize on it like I think we're in such an amazing time to capitalize on that stuff and just seeing the relationships that have been born out of these programs and these platforms is so heartwarming to me but then to see like yourself and Gemma actually connect like the quote-unquote real life spaces and see you at AFLW Mm -hmm. games doing the work and being able to support each other I think is awesome and I think really helps break down those barriers Um, so I'd like to like you to talk through about some of those Mm. things that might have you know been a bit like daunting like walking into a press box or just trying to figure out where to go in the stadium on your own and and what it's like to actually have people around you that you can tap on the shoulder and be like hey what's going on? Yeah
2: this is something that I've wanted to talk to for a while because um, it actually makes me a little bit emotional when I think about it especially because I've done Um, a Bachelor of Media and Comms, and then a Masters in Global Media. And through both of those degrees, it was really hammered into all of us that the journalism space and the media space is hyper-competitive and everyone is your competitor. But what I found, and, like, I have found that to be true for some areas, but then coming into sports and particularly, like, women's sports and being in the women in the sports media space is that we really do feel like a community for the most part and for the people that I'm lucky enough to know and be around. And I, I think that Gemma's is a really good example of this because like on paper or like if we were we were people to just to take both of us, we look like competitors. So we both write about AFLW. We both have two different podcasts about AFLW. Like by all of the journalistic, um, you know, I can't think of the, the right Parameters? Word. Yeah. Like, we would be competitors, like, on paper, 100%. But there's no one who has helped me out more than Gemma, and that's in, like, an emotional support um, sense and, in you know, like, a pep talky kind of way. I still remember the very first um, ESPN AFLW podcast that when it was published I did not handle it very well at all and my anxiety was through the roof and I tried to go for a run I tried to run out my feelings and it didn't work and I actually was just like sitting on the side of Mary Creek you know that footpath just like really crying quite heavily and just like not Mm. being able to control it and Jem saw that it had been published so she sent me just like a message on Instagram that was literally just like you (laughs) Um, and I replied um with an essay about how I wasn't coping pretty sure I took a photo of myself just like crying on like this footpath and I was like I'm, I'm really not handling it and then you know Gem sent back words of encouragement and I can't remember word for word what they were but they were exactly what I needed to hear and I do remember that in that it was just like you belong here like you belong here it's it's okay it's fine and also the understanding of where I was coming from because we share some anxieties around. You know if people will hear us with certain opinions that won't take us seriously because of our gender and that can still be like quite frightening um and then there's also the very practical help you know when i was going into to do my research role at the olympics i was doing that alongside doing afrw for espn which is like stupid hours and not something that i want to share as um, something that people should try and try and replicate because I think that whole like hustle culture and like work yourself to the bone is actually really unproductive and unsustainable and it's not something that I would encourage but it is just what I found myself in and I'm very grateful for both those roles and I didn't want to give either of them up so I did both at the same time Um, and I got a coffee with Gemma before I started the Olympics and you know she was saying. If you ever need anything to help you out with the A4W stuff, like reach out. Like if you just have like an opinion about something and you need stats to help back it up, like reach out. And, you know, by all, by everything that I was taught about what the journalist space was going to be like, it was not that. It was not someone from a different publication saying, hey, you're going to go through this really stressful time. So I'm going to be a pal and I'm going to help you out because we both are striving for the same common goal. And so to actually have that in my life I, I don't even really have words for it other than like, I, I, I think the example itself speaks for like how wonderful this community is to each other and like massive props and a, a lot of credit to to Gemma for just being that person for me. And, and those are two examples because I think they're one of emotional support and one of practical support. But like I send her voice messages all the time, sometimes photos just being like, look, I'm the only woman in this room. Ha ha ha. Like, because she can understand what that feels like and she can share that with me. And that makes me feel like I'm not alone, even when I feel physically kind of alone.
0: Yeah. I just like finding stats for things.
2: <laughs> You're like, I actually don't care about you and your career progression. I just wanted to find some stats.
1: I really wish Kirby Fenwick, um, our, one of our co-founders from Siren, was on the call just to make fun of how, like, disengaged Gemma will be with the feelings <laughs> side of this <laughs> conversation. <laughs> she will hardly ever engages with the feelings. I love that um just here for the stats oh my god and I was like sending her (laughs) instagrams
2: and me just like literally crying
0: (laughs) privately I will engage with the feelings but never yeah I know
1: you will (laughs) (laughs) oh it's so funny um yeah that's amazing Marley I think like there's similar experiences that I've had that I've seen over a bit of a timeline where I know those experiences were so internalized for so long and I felt absolutely alone and just didn't know what to do Um, and I guess like talking about like backgrounds too like my sort of entry into media was very um, like different like yeah I didn't do a journalism course but I tried to like learn journalism by osmosis and they were definitely the things that I picked up like do not talk to anyone, they are your competitors and because I was like freelance and just trying to do like really little stuff, it was like they're important, they're writing for a master, they're writing for a big um, mainstream publication, do not talk to them, interrupt their like quote unquote real work, like you're here just doing like your little thing, Um, you're no one, Uh, no one is going to help you and that really like kind of made me choose other career paths and not that I have regret about that, I'm really happy with where I'm at because I've chose to I've chosen things to be able to do things on my terms. So I'm really comfortable with that now and and quite proud of where I've got to. But at the same time, like it did send me a lot of signals about like, yeah, this space is not for you and don't even try and you know, you're too late and you should have been doing this 10 years ago. And I think that's definitely messages that we want to send out now that like, it's not too late. Like you can always come to this space no matter your age or experience. If you've got skills and passion to build on and you can develop into this space, you absolutely can. Gemma, how have, like, you sort of seen that space too? Because, like, you know, you're another example of someone who's come from a quote-unquote non-traditional journalism background, Um, like many of us in this space, and particularly at Siren, like, we've just tried to carve out spaces for ourselves. But, like, can you, like, echo, like, Marnie's sentiments there, They things that you felt at the start of your career?
0: Yeah, I mean, I quit my full-time job at 29 to do sports stuff full-time and was told by one of my bosses um, when I quit uh, to do sports stuff that, oh, good luck with that. Like as if, oh, you're not going to succeed, have fun with that. And then uh, the pandemic hit and I was like, well, they might be right. But um, no, I think obviously with the caveat that I have financial support if I need it, if something goes wrong, I do have um, something to fall back on, um, it's but the best decision I could have made because I just spent two years of the pandemic focusing really heavily on the thing that I love and becoming good enough at it that I became hireable and then I think making the call just like Marnie said um it gave me the belief that what I wanted to do was needed in the space and I think that was the biggest thing for me was um you don't have to, if you want to do commentary, A, you don't have to be an ex-player. It helps, but you don't have to. People will take a chance on you if you're good enough. Um, B, if you don't want to do boundary writing as part of your commentary, you don't have to do that as a way to work yourself up. If you can tell your boss that, hey, that doesn't work for me because it doesn't Lean into my skill set, and I had to have this conversation with my boss at the ABC before the AFLW prelims because um, they they wanted to give me an opportunity to work. They didn't have a space as a specials caller, but they had a space as a um, boundary rider. And I said, "Look, I I really appreciate the opportunity, but that requires me to not be looking at the game. I can't promise you that I can do that. Um, but I'll come in, I'll do stats for the for the callers. So I did that instead, and that." played to my skill set and it played to the person who got to do the boundary writing to their skill set as well. So I think um being really honest, you don't have to take every opportunity, but you need to have a good reason why you won't take one from an employer that you want to keep working with. Um, if that makes sense, like you obviously want to prove that you're a hard worker. You want to prove that you really want to do the thing. Um, but I think that was a re- that's a really good example of when you can say no and it be respected. Um, but just, yeah, uh, I can't remember what the question was now because my brain is a bit fried. But, yes, my experience was uh, making the call changed everything for me, but also the people around me changed it as well. As I said at the start, Siren people, Marnie, the cohort of, the, of that Making the Call group, um, Kelly Underwood, um, Swamp, uh, whoever knows from Twitter, from Channel 7 and the AFL now, um, they're all people who stuck their neck out for me, Uh, when they really weren't going to get anything out of it. Swamp's got nothing out of having helped me. Um, Kelly um, really didn't get anything out of helping me until this year. We've been working together for 18 months. Like there are people who invest in you when they can see that you're something worth investing in. And then, yeah, again, it's our responsibility now to pay that on to the next group of people. I know that I probably just repeated myself from the start, but it goes, it's worth it
1: that's all right we're all dealing with our COVID (laughs) brains well I'm gonna say potential COVID because I just feel like it's coming even though I'm still testing negative but I'm just going to use that as an excuse for my long-winded questions and how I'm explaining things (laughs) so apologies to our audience today we're just doing the best we can but I want to touch on something that I think both of you kind of brought up a little bit like Marty you mentioned um like sort of you know that burnout from just taking too many opportunities and you know how that can be sometimes a bit of an unproductive culture but sort of being in that space of wanting to make the most of everything that comes up particularly when we're freelancers and we do want to get ahead and and Jem you just mentioning there that you know you're trying to look at those opportunities and navigate like your skill set and what serves you the best and how to feel empowered to either renegotiate or come at something with a different option and I wonder if um that sort of comes into a little bit of what we've talked about already is like this sense of community now, like we're able to reach out to other people in our space and sort of sense check some stuff. Like, I don't know if like you both feel a bit more empowered to do that. Like if you do feel like an opportunity might be good, but you're not sure about it or you don't know when to say no or how to renegotiate. Like, do you feel a bit more supported in this space now that you can ask more people about these things when they pop up?
0: I think for me, it's more about um, being able to say no to stuff because I feel a little bit more comfortable with where I'm at. Whereas in the past, I would have never said no to anything because I've didn't have a grasp on anything secure so I would just do anything that came up whether it was perfectly suited to me or not whereas now I can kind of look at it and be like I'm not the right person for that job there is someone else that is better at it than I am and it serves both of us for me to say no to that opportunity and suggest someone else I, I can't um, remember how many times I've had you know radio call me up to do a sports spot in the morning or afternoon show. And I just can't do it because it's about all sports. And I've been very focused on one sport. So I'll always pass on your details, Casey, or your details, Marnie, or Briny Dawson is another one that Mm. I'll regularly um, send the details off because I'm not going to do that job very well. Why should I get the opportunity to do that when someone else can do it better than me? And I'm busy. So it's just like um, it, it serves all of us us saying no sometimes and referring to someone else
2: yeah um and apologies if I keep halfing back to this we're a cohort we're not competition (laughs) stuff but but it's also just like you're coming out of like media degrees just and feeling like well you have to like fight like a dog to get on top or like whatever it is when that's not the reality and we all I think of have learned that or and are still learning that and the better we all do individually the better we all do collectively i hate that um analogy that the the boats rise a rising
0: tide yes i hate it
2: because it's used for the economy in an in an incorrect way um a lot (laughs) which really bugs me but it's true when we talk about women in sports media Um, but yes and it's even just like having all of these touch points um through things like making the call and even through twitter to be honest um of people in different areas or that cover different things or have different areas of expertise so that we can reach out to each other and even have people who've been in the industry for a lot longer than we have so we can ask I think as yes and as well just like coming out of university it was very much like I'm alone where I've learned this past couple years I'm absolutely not and people don't mind within this um feel being like having people ask for help or like ask for direction or being like hey I've been offered this role but I'm not sure if it's right for me where I think a lot of people feel very isolated in their careers where that's just like not the kind of our situation if you want it
1: to be
0: or you know I got offered this job on a freelance rate as compared to um i a- you know, a different rate that I normally charge, what do you think I should charge? And being able to run that by someone before mm. you tell someone that, like just getting a scope of the industry when you in a place that you don't know yet, like that's everything, because then you feel more confident going back. You'll typically ask for more money because you know that they can give it to you and we all win that way. And Marnie um, is someone who still had agreed to do, unpaid work last time I spoke to her hmm. um so I hope that's changed since then I'm not going to dr- drill her on it now but I'm calling her out publicly yeah so that she <laughs> feels guilty enough
2: that I've reached
1: out to people to ask about it at least okay I'll give <laughs> that's
0: you that the
1: first step I mean it's it's such a tricky thing to talk about and it's uncomfortable um and yeah we do harp on a lot about this um in some of our other chats and podcasts and particularly as part of our ethos at Siren but you know, we're definitely trying to change that narrative around that you know the unpaid labor that comes with mm. women's sports, but like media more broadly. But it's it like is such a balance. Tax. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and you know, there are things that like you know come up that you feel like you want to serve the space and serve the story, and that's a responsibility on you and your position to be able to do that, but then You know, when do you say no? When do you push back? Um, How do you value your time? And I think that's just like a conversation anyone in this space is going to have for the rest of their careers. But Mm -hmm. you find out ways to, yeah, value your time in like a more strategic sense, I think. But especially like we have this conversation all the time with our emerging sports writer program participants who are just starting out. Like what's the difference between like volunteering and getting experience versus being like exploited and yeah. taken advantage of. Like it's really hard to distinguish between that, um, particularly when you're starting out. So it's just I think it's just productive to talk about even if you're not feeling that you want to challenge it so much yet, Marnie, if you're just talking about like, it's a really good step Yeah, <laughs> just well, sound I, totally condescending. No, no. I, I think the
2: biggest thing for me is um like there are times where i've pitched um pieces and the publication has been like we really like this idea but we literally just don't have the budget to do it and i want to offer to do it for free then because i would rather the thing gets made um Mm. than not gets made at all um and that's a really hard line that i'm I'm still have no idea how to walk uh, how to deal with it um because yeah at the end of the day there are some things i feel very passionate about that I want to see get made even if I have to do them free uh, or unpaid and then but then does that perpetuate other people having to do things unpaid because I've set that standard and set that bar and it's something that I am grappling with literally every single day at this point
0: well but it's also and and I'm not trying to have a big money here it's a problem like industry-wide in that people are willing to write about women's sport for free because women's sport doesn't get written about. So therefore then they assume that, Oh, women's sport doesn't have value in terms of the coverage of it because someone will do it for free. And this was a, an endless conversation. And it's a conversation that's still being had in the music industry back when I was doing it. And still now is photographers, people are going to steal the photos that does the photo have value Um if someone's just going to take your photos for free or someone's just going to review your show for free why would we pay someone to do it and that's the thing about women's sport right now is there are people are passionate about it or there are people seeing it as an entry point to then move up to whatever they think that they want to get to and then organizations whether that's a football club or a media organization or an industry body or something like that they then don't see the value in paying someone to do that job well um and I think that's really exploitative um Hmm. and yeah that's why it's hard and this time last year I was having this exact trouble um and I was scared to ask for money and now I'm at the point where I'm like honestly screw it um I get enough paid work now that I shouldn't have to work for free unless I really want to and unless it's lending a favor to a friend who needs some stats or prep for a speech that they're doing. If it's a friend, obviously I'll help you out but I'm not going to do stuff for organizations anymore for free because I'm worth more than that and so is Marnie and so is Casey and obviously everyone.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. Yes. No, I'm being a hypocrite I- because you know that I'm currently doing work for free. <laughs> but um, yeah, I do agree with you, and it's something that like I'm internally conflicted about because I do have all of this knowledge that like I am especially at a place right now where I shouldn't work for free, and like my work is worth money, um and I am yeah setting that bar and setting that precedent that's dangerous,
1: and I shouldn't be doing it. But anyway,
0: we won't let it happen again. Don't
2: um, worry.
1: Yeah. Uh- <laughs> No, don't like beat up on yourself, money With that, like, it's it's so complicated. Um, and this is why, like, we don't have the like the problem solved. And uh, yeah, and I don't want to be like an apologist for um media companies who are doing this. I want to be more like an apologist for people who are trying to navigate their self worth and experience and building their profile, but then acknowledging like the damage that that can also do to others. Yeah. Like, it's so it's so hard. Um. So, yeah, it's definitely shouldn't it be like it's sitting on your shoulders <laughs> individually to try and like take this um, responsibility for everyone. But I think like I think the most important thing is like, yeah, we continue to talk about it because I feel like even um, when I was sort of starting out doing this work, like well a while ago, I'm not going to age myself once again in this podcast with another dated reference. But um, we just like money and labor was just not spoken about at all. Yeah. Um, mm. And I think it comes down to that competitive um, stuff that you mentioned before that everyone's so isolated and I think systems do that strategically to keep people isolated so they don't talk about these kind of things so this kind of behavior is really normalized and then these practices can continue and that just gets further and further more problematic as you get into different marginalized areas of these systems as well so well and
0: people want to seem like they're killing it when in reality they're probably doing all this work that makes them look really cool for free because they're a volunteer and that's a big thing as well is saving face publicly so that's why we Mm -hmm. need to talk about it more anyway
1: absolutely no I couldn't agree more like there's just so much particularly yeah with social media now that like looking in at other people and not really seeing their like the whole you know situation you're only seeing what mm. you're shown so and that can just be so damaging so I think just acknowledging that and, and talking about it and we don't have to have an answer right now but I think we have to have um yeah just more visibility about what we are mm. going through um so I think that is just that's where we can have some real change um when we just don't feel alone and restricted and like I'm embarrassed or ashamed about talking about it too I think there's just so much shame talking about how we might not be killing it and we're struggling yeah. but sometimes
2: like we just are and I also do think it's like pretty important point to mention that doing things for free or unpaid or like not being as transparent as as much as we can be does just really reinforce the status quo and reinforces the types of people that can work for free is the types of people that literally just wouldn't be able to eat that week or like support their families um that I, I, I think that we see a certain type of person um historically have been able to climb the ranks through free internships mm-hmm. um and that's exists within sports media as well
1: absolutely mm-hmm. let's maybe try and wrap up the pod with some Maybe more fun stuff. Yeah, <laughs> try and bring us all around. I mean, I think Gemma it's so didn't important. give the example of the press. Um, That's what I wanted that... to oh, get okay. Back to. Okay, sorry, sorry. <laughs> because I was not gonna let this go. <laughs> but I think, like, I'm so just grateful for us all to have a space that we could talk about this stuff and as i said like it's hard to talk about and we will finish on a bit more of a fun note maybe some practical tips for everyone out there in this space but yeah it's important for us to talk about that and show our vulnerability with that Um, and that's what's what we're here for at siren is to have more conversations about this stuff so we'll definitely keep talking about that but before we let you both go um I want to talk about some of your more specific examples of working together or alongside each other this AFLW season, because we've talked about that sense of community, bringing people in, sort of supporting each other in this space. And I think that's so true in women's sports media, and particularly from what I've seen in AFLW media, which is sort of um, more what I have experience with. But I know you two, I really dipped out of it this year and I've just been watching you both shine and support each other and reading all of your stuff. But I didn't sort of have that on the ground experience of being in there. So I want to hear your tales of in the press boxes, in the press conferences, and I want to hear Gemma's story about this infamous press conference from round 10. So Gemma, why don't you take it away? (laughs) Oh, I mean... (laughs)
0: Obviously, Marnie and I had spent quite a bit of time together, in in press rooms or balconies or wherever we got put um, throughout the season, and and I know that Marnie had stood in on a couple of press conferences with the coaches post game, but hadn't asked a question yet. And we got to round ten, and it was kind of like it's now or never. So um, we went up to Ballarat. We drove up together with um, Sarah and co-founder Megan Brewer. Um, and it was just us covering. Well, technically it was just me covering the game because you weren't doing a match report, where you? you were just doing your column. Not just, yeah. but you were doing your column. So yeah. it wasn't like an immediate file. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. Um, so I, I was the only one there uh, with money, And it was Brisbane against Western Bulldogs. So Craig Starsevich and Nathan Burke, two of the most amiable coaches you can get um in any sport I would say um so I said to Marnie well at the start of the game well this is your chance um it's just going to be you and me and the coach it's going to be really relaxed um come up with a couple of questions you can start the presses off and then I'll jump in Marnie what was your experience of that
2: my experience was not hey So it's just going to be me and you. It was you being like, you are asking questions today. (laughs) You are asking the questions today. And even throughout the game, you're just like, are you thinking of your questions? I love it. um, Aggressive, Gemma. But I also think it's a good example of how just like, you don't necessarily like hold my hand throughout the entire, like, I don't know, with things that scare me or daunt me, but you like push me in maybe to the defense but with floaties on. So I feel safe and supported, <laughs> but also still very scared. I think like I was shaking literally like a leaf. Like I had to hold my arm behind my back because I was like, my anxiety was just a little, it was going off. But, um, but yeah, obviously two coaches that were very, very lovely to me. And even afterwards, like it, it's so, it may seem like so small and so trivial, but to have someone there that's just like, no, you asked good questions. That was good. And like everyone that knows Gem knows that she's not going to like overdo that. <laughs> she <laughs> was kind of just like, no, you did a good job. That was good.
0: And if anyone wants to listen to those presses, you can go on the AFLW website and watch the press conferences from, it was Craig Stasvich's 50th game, first ever head coach to reach 50 games. It, you know, final game of the season for Westonville, a pretty, pretty significant game. and a beautiful venue as well. Um, so you can go and watch them back. Um, And read my match report if you want. But uh, uh, you can listen to Marnie ask her first ever press conference questions. Uh, That'll be there forever now.
2: I know. And Megan got a photo of it. So I'm stoked.
0: Yes, I look really angry in that photo. Hence why I never posted it anywhere.
1: That's a terrifying little puppy. (laughs) I need to find this photo now. I love this. I love that we can talk about just like what's going on behind the scenes. And there's actually like, yeah, the product of the presser that we can go back and have a look at, because I think like talking about that stuff is is really cool for what we do instead of going behind the curtain a bit. I mean, I've like never asked a, press, a question in a press conference um, ever, because I think I just wouldn't be able to offer something that would be original, or interesting. And then I've just never like, going back to say competition sort of element. I just see other journalists like, because I used to cover AFLW drafts and I would just, Go up to where they would have like the top five, (laughs) and all these journalists is asking questions. I'm just like, I ain't got no time to jump in and try and find an entry point here. Like, I'm just gonna stand here and take some photos from my Snapchat story, and then like try and grab like a one on one later. And like, I'm done. Like, this like jumping over people and trying to get in. Like, oh, no, thank you. (laughs) I was gonna say, I'm just sorry to bring anyone back to this time period, but
2: it was, and correct me if I'm wrong, sometimes I get my dates wrong even in analogies and things but it was so round 10 for AFLW that was the season opener of the men's I believe and that was when Bevo had that press conference where he just like berated a journalist Mm. so I'm just thinking and which is also an example of just like how welcoming and beautiful the AFLW community um is from like through from like coaches to the community and the people in the stands and the outer but yeah I just remember just being like that's why I don't want to ask questions obviously I would never be the type of journalist that asks that question <laughs> but you know uh, what I mean I was just being like that yeah. environment seems hostile and because I've seen other press conferences in sports that don't seem very inviting or fun to be and it is just journalists just like jostling for their questions and then sometimes they get yelled at and I'm just like I'm just trying to do my
0: job I think that's a big difference between men's and women's sport though as well like mm-hmm. I'd probably be terrified to ask uh, a men's coach a question like that in that setting but also I think it's the setting in which it happens like AFLW presses they're, you know, on the field after the game. It's quite casual and comfortable. I mean, unless something terrible has happened during the game or a big loss has happened, it's a pretty comfortable situation once you're used to it. Um, but doing the AFLW Grand Final, the presses were in the actual, you know, room that they do all the men's ones and a very um, much more formal setting. Um and I had to start off the, ma- the one with Matthew Clark and Ann Hatchard. And that was probably the s- most scared I've been in a presser because I've never started a presser before and there was no one else to start it or they were all just looking at me. So I was like, all right, uh, here we go. And you can hear that I'm nervous in that one. Whereas in others, it's I'm very like, this is fine. I'm good. Because I think my intent from a presser, what I want to get out of it is very different to what a lot of other people are. Cause I still don't really call myself a journalist. So my line of questioning is very different to other people's, which is why Imani and I worked so well together because she finds that's more humanistic stuff and I'll be more like, why did Izzy Grant not be the one to, why was she not the one moved into the forward line when you needed her, that sort of stuff, which was a question I asked Nathan Burke in one of those games. So I think there's so many like little factors to it, but if you can back yourself in and know that you know stuff, if Mm. you're not knowledgeable enough that you can ask something off the cuff if you need to. That's what it is the confidence in yourself and that what you know. I've just rambled on for no reason. Sorry.
2: No, but also, in, if we're going to offer just like a nugget of advice, I often think, like, what do I want to know? Because sometimes I think, like, what's a good question? Or what's a good question that, you know, he'll be like, wow, that was such a good question. Or like, what will get me respect from the other people in that environment where I'm asking the question to get the answer to write from, you know, well, ESPN usually in those cases. So it's like, what do I genuinely want to know right now and just like that
0: yeah no exactly because if you want to know it i'm sure a whole bunch of other people want to know that too yeah
1: Mm -hmm. and i think um what i learned from like my brief time doing match reports when i was more so working within the sporting industry and for um like a, a sporting club and doing it from like the club lens is um my because like i was saying before because like, i tried to like learn journalism by osmosis and i would just pick up on what other people were doing cuz i thought that was like the model and i mean it just it doesn't work if you don't actually if you're just doing what you think you should do but you don't believe in it or you don't see the value in it or you can't actually find that like a way to adopt that into your work but you just think you should do it you'll you'll never be successful so like I would just try and ask questions and I would be mostly asking post-match questions of our coaches for a match report. And I would ask the most cliched questions that all like anything that was like a sporting cliche, like, and things that weren't even a question, like just comments with like, I'd raise my voice at the end obviously not the result we wanted today <laughs> yeah. what is that you get absolutely nothing but I would just see other people like talking like this in a sporting yeah. context like oh this is what we do this is this is sports chat and this is what journalists like this is how you talk and like what kind of response are you going to get from a coach with something like that nothing what kind of how can I build a report around that you can't um, so but that's how I, I kind of learned how to do sports writing the wrong way before I figured out how to do it my way. So that's kind of my p- piece of advice is look to like your heroes in the space and sort of understand mm. what they do and, and figure out like what you like and what you don't like, but don't just copy people who are there because they're there and think that's the way you should go about it.
0: But I think as well, it's who who you're asking the question of can make such a big difference as well. Like, uh, again, we talk about Craig Sastridge and Nathan Burke being the perfect kind of coaches to try that with um, when Marnie was doing that one in Ballarat. But I remember um, at Witten Oval, I think it was the Geelong Western Bulldogs game. Um, and look, it wasn't a great game, but that was the one where Sarah Hartwig got moved in the forward line. Cause they need another forward. And I asked the question about Izzy Grant, but um, before it started, you have to wait for the broadcaster to set themselves up so they can record it. And that's how it all works. Um And once they were ready to go, whoever the camera person was said, all right, gentlemen, you can go now. And I was standing there. Nathan Burke looked at me and said, oh, the women not allowed to ask questions today. (laughs) And he just turned to me and he gave all his focus to me to make a point. And I think, and that made me feel really comfortable because obviously I know Berkey we've commentated together and all that sort of stuff, but for him to make that point in front of other people as well, is really significant. And, you know, Craig Saas was mixed in there. They're all people who will help you do that. Trent Cooper, when, um, you know, they recognize that you're being excluded from something it is simple as saying, all right, gentlemen, ready to go. And yeah. I'll, I'll never forget that happening. And Nathan Berk, Berkey brought it up with me two weeks later when we are getting ready to commentate together. So it was obviously significant for him as well. So having those people in your corner who will call that out um, is really important too. So I should mention, I don't think I've said that anywhere before. Mm. You can uh, watch that presser as well. I definitely dominated that one because I was angry too. <laughs> Good. As you should
1: that. have. Yeah. yeah. I love hearing both of your experiences from, I guess like the other side of what I see, because I'll just like consume all your content, but hearing your experiences and, and the work you put in to get there and how you're navigating the space is so interesting. And I hope um, our listeners have taken something from that. And if, our listeners are interested in hearing sort of more stories or chats like this if people are of networks um, or how stories get made or anything like that, please hit us up on our socials. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at siren underscore sport. Let us know because we can do these chats as, I mean, I could talk about this stuff <laughs> until the cows come home, really, because I love it. I love understanding how people work and, and get things done and and talking more about our space. So if that's things that our listeners want to hear, please hit us up and let us know because we can do that. But before we finish up today, Marnie and Gemma, is there anything else you wanted to say sort of on your A4W experiences this season, working together and the community that you found yourself in and anything else you want to share? Really, up to you. The floor is yours.
0: Support Marnie's work. It's really it's, no, no, yeah. no. Honestly, it's yeah. a really valuable perspective and voice that we haven't had before, um, or to the extent that we've got it. So please support Marnie and people like Marnie, so that publications, broadcasters acknowledge that those voices are really important, and they continue to hire people like uh, Marnie because it's it's really valuable. So please do that.
2: Well, mine is then likewise. Same with Gemma. <laughs> No, but seriously, if you want to um, sound like you know what you're talking about when it comes to A4W, just follow Gemma's Twitter. One of my favorite things to do actually is just to repeat her tweets like after she's sent them, like at a game, just repeat them back to her. So I'm like, oh, did you know that this is Jamie Lambert's whatever game, like right after she's tweeted it? (laughs) But but I did want to say, and I feel like um, the listeners of Siren Sport will be a safe enough audience for me to say this is, I often quite just like chatting to random people, and not usually in the AFLW community that's like oh I would love to go to a game but I don't have anyone to go with it's not an empty um what's the word offer, offer? yeah I was gonna say threat for some reason my brain is so foggy <laughs> it's <laughs> not an empty offer um that money is threatening you if you, want to go to- you, yeah, if you like, don't come to AFLW oh with us. it's not the vibe I wanted at all um you you can dm me and be like I really want to go to a game but I have no one to go with um and I can help you with that
1: with a pal yeah, I love that. I think, um, and I mean, I was definitely not the best fan this season. I think just, you know, with the you know, coming back to the city after being in the country for a bit and COVID anxiety and stuff, I was not the most active fan. But I feel similar, like hopefully for this upcoming season, you know, I felt like um, before COVID we had a really good just community of people just rocking up to games and sort of we all were able to manage to find like a space in the stands and we knew like the artist of crew would be there, like Simon would be there, um, a few other like different groups of fans would be there that we connected on Twitter and we recognize each other from our profile pics and we could just like stand in the outer together and just like be without actually really knowing each other. And I think that's how I became so, so, so in love with the space because I would go to games by myself um, because I wanted to be there but I didn't feel like I had friends and I didn't know anyone but I just found people so I think that's such a great offer um Marnie and I yeah absolutely agree like once this season starts and I go there again I'm more than happy for people to come like hang out with me and whoever like we're all hanging out with it's a big amazing community come check it out just yeah chill it's fun um and we're friendly we're not scary well I mean, I hope I'm not scary.
0: <laughs> I'm, I think I'm I'm not as friendly as you guys are. Maybe
1: you're friendly. Yes, you are. Uh, no, <laughs> In your own know. way.
0: <laughs> I'm too distracted. I don't want to talk.
1: Oh yeah, don't talk yeah, to them good... while there's play on. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good
2: point, actually. I'll, I'll be a power before games at quarters and half. <laughs> yeah,
1: and I'll and just talk Emma at you during. No, Don't, like, go to a West Coast game with me is probably the caveat.
0: (laughs) I did that this year and I talked pretty negatively about your team the whole time and you didn't leave me, so that's something.
1: (laughs) I mean, well, you weren't wrong on some (laughs) things, so.
0: All things. I'm rarely wrong.
2: And this upcoming um, A4WCs will be the first where Gemma's team can play my team. Sydney Swan can play Essendon, so we'll see if we're I still. Know. We talk so highly about the community and each other after <laughs> that's done.
0: Hey, I am wearing an LRT top today.
2: Nice. I'm actually because I'm not in. I mean, my bath is closed because I'm in my childhood bedroom. I don't have any Essendon stuff here, which feels very weird.
0: <laughs> and I don't feel like myself. And Casey is too embarrassed to wear West Coast stuff right now. Fair,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a rough few weeks. Time. I mean, we were, same, we
2: but I've just got eyes on the women's. Every time people keep, like, being mopey about the men's season, I'm always like, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yes, it was pretty embarrassing last week. I mean, this, we're recording this a little bit in advance, but – um. Yeah, Gemma, Kirby, and I went to the pub last Friday night and West Coast Richmond was on it. Oh, oh. Oh, I was so upset, Marnie.
2: Oh, I bet you. I was watching it on my phone, just like,
1: surely not. Oh, yeah. I I just can't.
0: (laughs) And I'm convinced that's where I got COVID. So it was a bad night for all of us. I mean, I enjoyed it when we were there, but then it got bad after that.
1: Yes. And as I'm sort of feeling not the best, but awaiting. Results. Um, I said, if I like, if I got COVID that night out with that kind of result of the, flu, oh. I'll be livid. <laughs> Karma <laughs> has really bitten you for something you've done. Like, what have I done lately? Oh <laughs> my god. Um. Well, hopefully, I just got a cold and I keep testing negative. So fingers crossed for me. But we'll maybe leave it there. But. I think we've got, yeah, lots more things to chat about um, with you, Marty, because you're doing awesome stuff. You've got a great perspective on everything that you're doing. We love talking to you. Um, Probably be great even just to talk to you as the season comes around again, probably know, rather than later about yeah your experience with your side coming in and with Gemma's side coming in and I mean I know like how I felt when West Coast came in so I'm so excited for both of you but yeah we'd love to have you back on the podcast anytime you want we'll probably hit you up again if Yay. you're cool with that I would love that yes please if awesome. people want to
0: find you online where can they find you Money?
1: On my Twitter is
2: Marnie.vinyl, I think. But if you type in just my name, it's no one else has a name like mine. So you'll find me.
1: <laughs> Marnie it's true. Dot
2: <laughs> and where can people no, read good. your work
1: at the moment?
2: Um, mostly ESPN. It's, it's kind of difficult because I do freelance for a range of places. So I'll often write for like Guardian, ABC, um, Age every now and again. So it's kind of hard to send someone in one particular direction. So my Twitter is probably... The best place although then you'll have to weed through a lot of just like s and an a or w and VFLW tweets <laughs> if that's not your jam um but yeah and
1: also just come say hi <laughs> <Awesome. Nice. laughs> Gemma. where can people find your work
0: uh twitter is the best place for me jl bastiani it's spelled as it sounds um i haven't been tweeting much because i've been sick but uh please know that i'm Redoing my whole database right now, so uh there are tweets coming. There are lots of stat tweets Yay! coming.
1: We are very excited. Um, and yeah, that night we were at the pub. Gemma was waxing lyrical about this database and the sheets she was creating. Kevin <laughs> and I were just sitting there, just like in awe, <laughs> like some no, of the words that she was coming. coming. <laughs> well, I was trying to put a positive spin on it. Gemma it was like, more in awe of what you're capacity to do this kind of work is but also looking at each other's side eyes as both very um, qualitative researchers <laughs> and are very um, adverse to numbers going what is she talking about Kirby <laughs> but also very excited to see the results so we'll definitely keep an eye out for that um, people can find me probably on Twitter is probably the best place for me as well um, at Casey Simons. I'm mostly tweeting about women's sport and some academic work that I'm doing and things that I'm doing in community sport, um, which I'm really passionate about. So if that's a gem, um, follow me there. You can also see the t-shirts that I wear to class every week that I really enjoy putting up because it makes teaching more fun um education through t-shirts i think should be my education platform (laughs) but um that's pretty much where i'm at um you can follow siren on twitter at siren underscore sport and please hit us up on our website we've got some amazing stories there at sirensport.com.au um we're taking a little bit of a at the moment from our more regular comms because we're delivering some emerging sports writer programs at the moment so we're doing some mentorships with emerging writers to help them get their work published and that's stuff we're really passionate about but we can only sort of spread our time across so many things so we're really focusing on our programs probably for the month of May but we'll have stuff up on our website and we'll tweet about it so We'll keep engaged through our podcasts, our social medias. Um, but yeah, we'll just keep talking about what we're up to and what we're doing and keeping everyone engaged. And until next time, that's pretty much it from us. So thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll see you on the podcast next time. Bye. See ya. Bye. <laughs>